So thank you so much for joining me on this next episode of the Scholar Homies podcast. The game is to be told, not sold, conversations with the soul. So I am here with Alejandro and we know each other from San Diego State University. We're both alumni, proud alumni, I think. And we recently worked together on the Semillas research team. And then we've also shared some similar interests that we'll get into later in the podcast. But I guess first, tell me about our, let's talk about our connection with the Simia's research team and um, at San Diego State University. How did you join the team or learn more about it? Yeah, uh, well, thank you for having me on. And um, I found out about Semia's through actually first Dr. Vasquez, um, who was leading the team. And it was because I had expressed to her that, um, you know, I do have aspirations to get a PhD or an EDD um, and that I did want to, you know, get my feet more wet with research, uh, particularly, you know, man of color, first generation, um, uh, parent scholars. And um, on the team also is Oscar uh, Duran, who we go back when we were undergrads. Um, doing a lot of work with uh, migrant education through Minicorp. Um, we have very similar interests. Um, you know, we both aspire one day to perhaps be part of Project Mel's and contribute in that area. Um, Oscar's interested in forming incarceration. So that's how I ended up in the team. And then um, through the team, you know, I met, I believe I met you through the team afterwards. Um, I met Angel. He came to teach at our class. And then everyone else was pretty much either a cohort mate or at some point either a doc student or had known Dr. V at some point. Nice. So Dr. V is the, the glue that holds us all together. So I, ironically, next week I'll be um, chatting with Oscar Dudan. So we'll, we'll get his perspective of Samia's then too. And we're also both Greeks. So you are a member of which organization? Uh, I'm a member of New Alpha Kappa Fraternity. There you go. And I'm a Lambda Sigma Gamma. So I think historically our two orgs know each other very well. So that's that was mm -hmm. one connection that we had. So um, I, I'm just really excited to, to learn. Well, I guess for other people to learn more about you. Um, one is that you are a father. And mm -hmm. I really have wanted to know, like, what is it like for you navigating fatherhood as a practitioner scholar? Uh and while I'm still navigating, um, I think that being a father in academia is both a blessing and I think it's also very stressful at times because um, you know, we were just kind of talking about like where I'm at right now and where I want to head. Um, and I think that because I hold a very, uh, you know, uh, embedded uh, belief that I am a provider and so I have to provide for my daughter I have to give her everything that I never had um of course as a first-gen scholar like I'm still like I said I'm still navigating that like what does it mean to provide um I used to think it was like providing her with like riches as far as money but then I quickly learned like no it's the time like I do get to spend a lot of time with her um you know because I work in eight to five I don't do any overtime um, I don't work weekends, um, so that allows me to be involved with like her extracurricular activities, um, school activities, um, and it allows me to really practice that in my own practice in the job. Like, 
I think one thing that does make me different right now from my other colleagues is being a father. So the students that I talk to, I really bring an approach of like, you know, like that humbling love of like treating them as like, hey, um, not like they're my kids, but like more of like that affection of, um, I want you to succeed. Like the way I see my own daughter, like, yeah, you're gonna make mistakes, but at the end of the day, like I'm rooting for you. Um, and again, that's kind of one of those things that is ingrained as a first gen and then my own parents doing that for me. Um, you know, they really, they they didn't get uh, any kind of degree, um, but they are self-educated. So that's another piece is like, I feel like I'm self-educated um, and being a father, right? Cause I, I, I can't really say that I have a father to go to and lean on. So it's difficult in the sense of like, that navigation piece, like how do I balance it all and still feel that I'm, that I'm winning at it, right? And as you can tell, like sometimes as parents, we don't feel like that all the time, so. Yeah, I was thinking that, I think of that all the time, but probably like a couple hours ago I was driving and I always think, and I don't know if this is a good thought or, or not, but it's a real thought that I have that like I could probably be better, have, if I wasn't a parent, right? Like I would, my mind wouldn't always be so consumed with just things that parents are consumed with if, you know, if I, you know, was chatless or whatever. Like, and I think that's just a real, it, it's kind of hard to say that loud, but it, it's a, it's yeah. something real to say, right? Like someone like as me, like I'm on the tenure track and um, I will say it's probably harder, right? To be a parent on a tenure track than somebody who's not. And I would just blatantly like to say that. <laughs> but what yeah. advice would you give? Oh, I, before I ask that one, um, as you are navigating parenthood and fatherhood as a practitioner scholar, do you think that lens leads into your work? So then when you are working with students and you find out they're, that they're student parents, you know, what is, how, can, like, can you talk about, does that, what does that trigger for you? if anything. Yeah, no, uh, well, I want to say, I don't think it's, well, your previous thought, I don't think it's a bad thought because I get it too. Um, but I think to answer your question is, I definitely uh, navigate more towards our students now because at the community college, like we work with all kinds of students, uh, you know, one of them being parent students. Um, and they're people that, or students that, um, you know, because of being parents, they had to leave school aside or set it aside um, and now they're back. Or like yourself, like, you know, you're navigating something while being a parent, right? Like I navigated my master's while, while being a parent. And now I'm like looking into the future of like, okay, what's the next step? How am I going to complete a, a PhD program being a parent, right? Um, and I think it's really, it's it's just conversation. A lot of times I I... I can assume that they're parents because, you know, they have their kids with them and I'm like, oh, is this your little one? And then they'll be like, yeah. And I'm like, oh, I have a little one too. And I think saying that to them, um, well, first it's kind of like, you know, you already are a practitioner. So to them, it's like, that's it. Like all you do is work. Mm -hmm. But like you said, right? Like we also hustle on the side, like, you know, research or, you know, conferences and stuff like that. And so when I share that with them, I'm like, oh, I don't only work this job. Like I also do this after work and I do all these other things and my daughter's always there. And then they'll be like, yeah, like, 
sometimes I wish I didn't have to deal with this, but I'm like, hey, it's you are right. And a lot of times they just want someone that can validate that. Like that, for example, like, you know, I've seen you like you take your daughter to conferences. I haven't taken mine yet, but I think that's a very powerful statement is like you are taking your your young one and exposing them to like, look, this is my work. Like, unfortunately, like, you know, I couldn't find you a sitter. I couldn't, you know, I, I didn't have that resource. So um, a lot of times you kind of have to work with what you have. And so my students particularly are seeking that, like they're seeking someone that, you know, like if they brought their kids to class, um, it's like, hey, I understand. Like, you know, um, how can I help you? Um, so like I said, I, I have always had really positive experiences, even when, uh, when I, like I said, when I was a, a grad student and I would often share with my professors, like, hey, I can't do this because my daughter's sick. There was really understanding. Um, I wish I could say that about, you know, everybody, but I've also had some students say like, oh, the professor said I couldn't attend class um, if I brought my, you know, two-year-old. I'm like, oh, that's unfortunate. Like, and I know a lot of times, like, there's no really policy, at, at least in, in my institution. Um, so then we have to look for other ways, like, is there a daycare that's available for them through the school? Um, so as a father, like these are the things I think about, like what are the resources that I would need um, that, you know, this parent that's sitting across from me needs right now. Thank you for that. And that's really important, right? Because then you're in those, uh, those meetings and those spaces where they're maybe talking about having an event for student retention or student recruitment. And you're like, yeah, that's great. But what about the children? Like, is there gonna be a kids activity center for them or during finals? Mm -hmm. I want to say it was Pasadena City College. You, this was prior to COVID, but during midterms or their finals week, they had they had like pop in daycare, and I mm -hmm. thought that was fascinating because you know when it comes towards finals week, the hours of the classes change. So then naturally the daycare hours, you know, childcare hours may right. have changed. So it's but it's sometimes taking somebody to know from personal experience to be sitting in those meetings and in those rooms to even bring that up that why it may be um, an issue or a potential need, you know, like a service that the students may need. So thank you for that. Um, and you talked about navigating your navigating parenthood as a master's student. So you and I did the same master's program at San Diego State University, PELSA, but I did it like a hundred years before you, <laughs> a little older. But what was fascinating is last week I was talking with a current student there and she was interviewing me for her policy class. And I shared, I, I don't think she knew this when she set up the meeting, but afterwards I shared that I was a Palsa alumni. Um, yeah. And then in, in that we talked about me being a mother. And I said, well, actually I started the program with Melania being seven weeks old. And I go, but I will say I had a different experience because during my admissions experience, like I was, I was hiding my pregnancy so that they wouldn't, potentially say like this student couldn't handle motherhood and a master's program you know so I think navigating it has been very different for me and then like you said normalizing but also like disrupting academic spaces um is very on the forefront part of it is showing Melania like my work and then the other part of it is also saying this is the reality right like you you want me to go present at these spaces but yeah my child care fell through and so I have to bring my kid with me and that's okay you know, um, 
And so a, a lot of it's normalizing that. Um, what advice would you give to potential father um, practitioner scholars who, whom I, I think we find this in our in in the spaces, right? They may want to do a master's program or a potential doctorate program, but they're not sure how to navigate these these identities. Yeah. Um, well, I think that for me, what has helped me <clears throat> is, um, I mean, I, I first want to give a shout out to like all the CMES team, because I think that CMES, um, it really challenged me to not be afraid to say, hey, these are my identities. Like I am a father, I am a first gen, I'm a full-time practitioner. I have these aspirations. And through Semillas, like then I met other people. Like I remember going to Puerto Rico to last year's Ash and um, meeting Jesse, right? And then having that conversation with Jesse, Jesse, excuse me. And, you know, knowing that he had kids and like he was there and he was like talking about him. And I was like, wow, dude, like I'm a dad, right? Like, tell me more, like, how, how are you doing it all? Because the fear again, like the fear of like, okay, right now I have to put this aside, right? Like temporarily so I can focus on this but for the greater good of my kids because we know that the end goal is going to be like yourself tenure track secure job right uh income um but also like having that space like what you said earlier like hey sometimes too I wish my daughter was I don't know like I don't want to say she she wasn't here with me but I feel like I kind of question like what what more can I do if she wasn't in the picture um, where would I be today if, you know, I was not a father and having those conversations with other parents, like a lot of times, like I said, uh, my upbringing and I was raised by a single mother and I know that she never said anything like, oh, I wish you guys were never born. Like she hustled and grinded and, and raised us all. So at times that's the guilt, right? Of like, well, she did it. I can do it. But of course, like we're doing a different profession. Like it does involve us to like I said, like step away from our kids at times and like, you know, like Jesse being a completely different, you know, miles away, checking in on, you know, the kids. Um, so I would say like, don't let that hold you back. I think if you have a strong support system, um, I can say that I, I have one now. So for me, um, I can't use that as an excuse anymore. Like I can't say like, oh, I can't go to doc school because of my daughter. Like, no, like I have the support. I have people that are like, hey, we'll help you out. Um, if it's a matter of taking care of her or, hey, you have to go to class. Um, the only one thing that I will say is like someone like myself, like I've been in the San Diego region like my whole life. So I did my undergrad at Cal State San Marcos, my graduate at SCSU. Um, and I want to experience uh, doc school in a different state. Like I said, like my aspiration is Project Mouse. Like I know that's in Texas. And so that is where it gets tough, right? Because that's where it's like, okay, what am I willing to do for this? How do I work with what I have and be able to still do it? Or can I maybe settle for something else right now and still be involved in, in that kind of program and, and work. Um, kind of ties in into what you said, right? Like you want me to be uh, knowledgeable of this work, but yet like the resources aren't available for me to, to be able to produce that work. Um, so I think that for me is a constant navigation, right? Like 
how, how can I create the work either on my own or find people that are doing it that are more closer to me, more nearby, um, and then kind of apply more in like a more uh, nation kind of broader perspective, like attending these conferences and meeting other uh, like-minded practitioners. Definitely. Um, and that, as you were think, as you were speaking, I was thinking, how do we reframe this, right? Like, not that we wish our lives were differently, right, as non-parents, but maybe how do we then get support from institutions? How do we, I, I think, I, I still feel like I need to process that a little bit because um, we're definitely feeling probably like the guilt or like the pressure to produce or to succeed at, at, a, at particular levels, but I'm like, but we are also, you know, raising a whole generation. So in that, how do we get support from these institutions and institutional agents, right? Uh, um, aside from our community and our, and our, our like our network, like I think with Semias and like the little, like the scholar homies, like the collective that we do have, we're supportive of each other and we're uplifting each other. And it's, it's but it's beyond that, right? It's, it's a little bit past that. Um, you brought up conferencing and then Puerto Rico. Oh my goodness. I, some of my best memories were with us kicking it in Puerto Rico last year because let's, it, yeah, of course we worked and we presented and yes, that was great, but we had so much fun. And um, we had like one day where we went to the rainforest, which was a great yeah. time. So we saw like three rainforests there. Um, I'm trying to think of, it was, what else did we do? We went jet skiing. Yeah, that was, was really fun. That was really fun. And <laughs> I always think of um, that Jay-Z meme where he's jet skiing and he has the, like, the helmet on because that was me going really slow because I remember yeah. thinking like, don't get into a jet ski accident because you're a mother and yeah. <laughs> you're, you know, you're like thousand miles away from home. The reason why mm -hmm. is because when we were in the rainforest, I'd fell um, and we had no right. cell service. Yeah. And I slipped on a rock and my, I am so, I feel like I was so lucky that my, I didn't start bleeding, but my leg kind of like swelled up and it was, it was throbbing for like several days later. Um, but that was a good, aside from falling in the, in the rocks, that was a really good time. And I, I can't think of the quote, but they were calling it like, this is radical self-care, right? Like yeah. Us yeah, exactly. being, us going to the rainforest, us going to the beach and jet skiing and having a blast that day in the midst of conferencing was like literally radical self-care. And I think we need those moments to, con especially like being in higher ed and academia, we need those moments mm -hmm. to, to kind of keep us going. So that was just a memory that I wanted to share. Um, and to kind of touch back to what you mentioned early on about providing right financial providing for for your daughter and a big common um common thread that we have is i would say like um our interest for the stock market and so that, i'm going to shift a little bit if we can talk talk about the stock market um and i guess tell me like what started your interest and how where are you in your process in your stock market journey I mean, you pretty much introduced me to it. <laughs> um, but I think it happened at a very interesting time because, um, you know, I, I think that, um, you know, when COVID happened, um, you know, like I was doing my second year in the grad program and it was tough, right? Because it was like, wow, like, 
what's gonna what's gonna happen to higher education like what's gonna happen to hiring like are there gonna be jobs um the amount of work that we're gonna have to do because you know early retirement and so just being at home like i was like okay like i used to be be or i used to have to commute and that's when i would listen to podcasts right like listen to um you know dave ramsey um uh secret to success uh jamal right like real estate and it was a like time that i would take away from like being this practitioner to like okay now this is self-education and then sharing that with others right like i think that's really what you did with me like you really said hey like have you heard of this or like do you know anything about it and then of course there's someone that's like well what are you learning right like who is your go-to and then you like said, oh, this is the class I took. This is where you like, I think that is what we're really good at is with each other is like, this is the resources that I pursued. Here you go. Like we're, we're not like, we just hand them over. That's what we do as practitioners. Like we, we share the resources. Um, and I think my journey really started there. Like after I took that class, the ring class, um, at first I was very indifferent because I was like, I don't know what this is. Um, I've heard about it. Like um, the only kind of money, I guess, making or strategies that I've ever learned is like working on your hands, right? Or using your degree to make money um, or you save your money like in a savings account that gives you high interest. But the stock market was a whole new playing field. Like, like what does it mean? How does it work? Like, is it safe? Um, what if I lose and you know all those fears that were coming up and I think really like I remember Luz talking about the money wounds right and one that stuck to me that I still practice today actually I practice it this weekend with uh some of the the other men in, in my family um that uh, you know they've they've been asking me like hey like when's a good time to get in and I recall telling you like, hey, do you ever feel like when you talk to somebody about it, like they don't want to keep talking about it because they're like, nah, that's for the rich or like that's for people with money. And I was like, well, yes and no, but like, I think it's really how you approach it. And I remember Luce like really focusing on that. Like, yes, you're not going to be able to invest millions of dollars because like you weren't born in a wealthy family or, you know, you don't have parents that have handed over you a, a uh, what is that account called? the dependent account for your kids um and i'm like yeah you're right so i just started little like i remember you know one of the strategies was you know maybe 50 dollars a month um start doing a little bit of homework start finding your community right um i joined the the discord and so that's where i was like getting all the news um and i i just talked about it like i would just talk about it with my coworkers. like hey are you guys in the stock market but it was really because something that it, it became something that I believed in, like, because I was seeing results. I remember seeing my first red portfolio, though. I was like, oh, shoot, like, I hope my friends don't get mad because, you know, like they had bought some stock and then like they started seeing red and they're like, hey, man, what's going on? I'm like, oh, well, don't be like, don't worry. Right. Like, just continue doing our homework. Let's see what's going to go like what's going to happen after. And yeah, I mean, it's. It's a very interesting experience to have with other people because, again, it's. I remember Luz uh, presenting it in a way where, like, it is something that that people aren't open about because, like, 
people don't really talk about money. Like we don't, even like in, in our current fields, right? Like even like asking you like, oh, how much do you make a year, right? Like that's very private. It's like, uh, you know, that's really not, you know, information that I share. Um, and really like amongst my family, like people ask me like, oh, what do you do for work? And then I tell them, and I feel like that following question is how much do you make a year, right? And it was really removing myself from that and understanding that like my eight to five could become a stream of income to then move it over to the stock market and then start making that wealth there. Um, and then really thinking long-term, I think long-term, um, that is where, again, I'm working on myself is um, I opened my daughter's account last month and, you know, I was like, okay, I started at 28. I'm going to start her at five and let's see when she's 28, who knows? She might be a millionaire, I hope. Um, but it was scary, right? Because it's like, oh man, I'm putting like, you know, this money into that account where I can be putting it into this other savings for her. Um, so it's really, it goes back to kind of the identity, right? Like I'm an investor, like I'm an educator, but I'm an investor. Like I thought only like entrepreneurs did that, right? Or people that got business degrees. Um, but no, right. It goes back to the whole self-education. Like I'm an investor, I'm a creator, um, I'm building generational wealth. Um, and really believe in that. Like every time that I look at my account or that I transfer over that money, it's really like, I'm doing this for a purpose and I know it's going to work. Um, and I think that's where we apply what we learn in higher education, right? Like we have a lot of skills that we can apply in this. Like we can be, you know, strategical about it. You can have the conversations. Uh, where do we find the, the, the knowledge for it, right? That we do that as researchers. Um, finding the community and the space um, where we can learn more. And then if you do, like, I, I feel like I've made probably two mistakes already in the stock market. Um, which at first it was like, you know, I beat myself about it because I was like, oh man, I should have listened to, to the, the people that were telling me like, you know, don't fall into the quick, get rich quick scheme. But I mean, it, it happens, right? Like you learn and then you're like, okay, I'm not doing that again. Um, and then you just keep, you know, learning more and, and keep moving forward. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's still like a, it's a still a thing that I think I, I had to prioritize more. Um, you know, we were talking about like, Hey, ha have you done any investments lately? And you're like, well, you know, I, I did, I did like, I sold this. And I was like, Oh man, I haven't done anything. Like I've just been letting my money transfer, but I haven't sold. I haven't bought. Um, I haven't been keeping up. And it's kind of like one of those reality checks, right? Like, Oh man, I need to stay on top of it. Um, and I think that's again, where the community comes in. Right. Like when I reached out and I'm like, hey, what happened to this group? Like, is this yeah. group going to come back? Because I think we do that already in our field, right? Like we all have accountability partners in this space of education. Um, it's like, I would love to have that. Like, sure, we have like these digital things, but at times it's even like a simple call like this, like, hey, 20 minute check-in, how are you doing on your stock, right? Because um, we do that already, right? We, we do it through cohorts, we do it through many other things. And it's just, again, prioritizing it, which I'll be guilty, I haven't done it, but I haven't lost faith in it. Like I know because it is a learning process. No, definitely. Um, is, and I, gosh, I'm trying to think of when, 
we had a our group meeting uh, that was probably what in like February uh, it was early in the year and I mean I fell off a little bit too because you know things got busy but what I what I do try to hold myself accountable is checking if anything quarterly like what's happening quarterly is it's and you know that we're talking long-term investments here do I need to make a move? Um, and like, a, I think the one that I mentioned where I sold out was um, with Melania's custodial account. And so, and I'm so glad you brought, you created a custodial account for your daughter. And I think that's what started me in wanting to learn more about stocks because I I didn't do it when she was born. I, I think I waited, when she turned five, I was like, okay, how do I, there has to be a way, like, how do I create an account for her? And that's kind of what started like me wanting to know more about stocks. And now for her birthday and for Christmas, I match her gifts to stocks. And I'll say this, for instance, if she wants a Robux game, she gets a Robux stock. Um, She's not getting an Apple phone, but for instance, if she was (laughs) going to get an Apple phone for Christmas, then I would get an Apple stock. And so, and I think for the custodial account, for me, what works is I'm looking at like blue chip type stocks mm. because I'm not going to be monitoring it probably as much. And so I'm definitely going safer, <laughs> like definitely the safer yeah. stocks where I don't have to monitor and then they could just grow on their own. And I'll be honest, like I haven't checked her account in, in a while and mm-hmm. at least like two weeks, but which is a lot because when you're on the stocks, there was a time where I was checking that like as, as soon as the market opened and then right. <laughs> it's a little bit of, a, of an obsession, I will say it's a good, it's a good mm-hmm. obsession maybe. Um, but and, and like you mentioned, um, so the, the, just for everyone listening in, Linda Garcia in Loose Retrust is, um, is, is like the, the resource that we've been talking about and the, the course that we both took. But she says that you basically pay your tuition to the market, right? At some point, you're going to be paying tuition to the market. So like my first mistake was that Rivian. Um, I had test my Tesla stock, but then I also like the competitor to Tesla was Rivian. But for months, my partner and I were like, Rivian's going to hit, when it, when it hits the market, it's going to hit big. It's going to hit big. And I, what I've learned is because I've done it with Rivian and I've done it with Robux now, and I've kind of paid attention as soon as a new stock hits the market, you see it like you're kind of buying it as a premium is what I'm learning. <laughs> and I've probably people have done this for 20 years could could, could been like, duh. <laughs> but I, you know, I, I'm learning the game as, as we're doing it. And I'm like realizing like, okay, we're buying at a premium. I think the Robux, um, that one turned out to, to work out, work out fine. But the Rivian did not. I don't think I ever recovered from Rivian. And then there was a point where, I, when I real again, I do my quarterly checks. If I decide I'm going to sell out of a stock, I, I watch it for a while, like two weeks and decide when's like, when's a good time to sell and try to sell. If I'm not going to get my, like all of my money back, at least I try to sell on a green day. And then I just cut it. I just, it is because it's also when like Linda talks about money wounds, right? So the second, whatever money I put in that account, it's, it's, it's no longer belongs to me, right? It's for me, I, I kind of part with the money. So it's not like, oh, I lost, you know, $20. Like it, it was already parted. So, and the flip side too, like the money that is there and accumulating I, until I cash it out or until I, you know, down, like what's it called? Like transfer it to my account. It's kind of, 
out of sight, out of mind money. That's just how I look at it because um, I feel like I need to like find a way to disconnect from potential losses. But yes, I am. I really liked what you said about being an investor and an educator and that you're building generational wealth. And I think that's so powerful um, for our community because we are first generation students, right? And then how do we not like take advantage of the stock market in a way that um, that can be beneficial for our families and our communities, right? Um, yeah, and I think, I mean, I was like that too when I first, I remember opening up my E-Trade account um, and every day I had alarms. I had an alarm at 6 a.m. when the stock market opens on the East Coast. Um, and I had it at, what is it, closed at 12 p.m. or 1 p.m.? Um, and I had alerts, all kinds of stuff. Like if Apple dropped, boom, I was buying. If, you know, Disney dropped, hey, there's my daughter's, uh, you know, I would buy it for her. Um, and I don't know, I, I think that's why I kind of bring back like that, like you said, with like you and your partner, um, you know, talk about it and, you know, decisions are made like that. Like for me, like, it's just me making those decisions. So that's why, like, for me, like, you know, we all learn differently. So for me, like, I did rely a lot on the Discord. Um, the other thing I'm going to say, um, anyone that's going to, you know, listen to this later, um, one of the things I remember, Luz had a, like a, I think it was a healing kind of session. Uh, it was, I think, part of the rain thing. And I was the only male, the, the guy in, in, the, in the Zoom space. And I remember like thinking like, man, this is me really taking like what I am used to, like talking money with other guys. Um, again, like I, like I said, I come from a very uh, machista background where like only guys control the finances and guys were the ones that talked about money. Women were the ones doing the cooking in the kitchen and all that. And I said that to the group and I felt like, I'm like, I hope they don't take this offensively. Like, I, I'm not saying that I believe that. I'm just saying, like, as someone, like, we're being open and we're healing these wounds. Um, and I realized, like, hey, I, like, I can't talk about this with other other people, not just the man in the family. Um, and that's why like, when I left that group, I think that's why I was so psyched and stoked, like, by my coworkers, right? Like, all my coworkers, regardless of who they were, I was asking like, hey, what are some investments that you're doing? Um, and really taking the time to listen to them and finding that person, right? They're like, hey, let's talk about it. And then, you know, like you, like I was doing with you, like, hey, what do you think about this stock? And you're like, oh, I think it's going to, all right, let's do it, right? Mm -hmm. um, because a lot of times it's like, yeah, we don't want to be like, oh, what well, Dr. told me, and then, you know, I lost money. <laughs> <laughs> um, I know at first we would joke about that like oh well Alejandro told me and like now I lost it's like hey no no like we're doing it together like let's trust each other like if you tell me something we'll, we'll trust it right um, I want to just say that because I think it's very important like the stock market is it's a communal thing so like if you have that community like you know you mentioned you know in loose we trust I think it's it's crucial like for someone like myself that I have kind of lost that where I was checking it every day, but I haven't lost faith that like, Hey, I can always go back and I can always bounce back from the portfolio. Yeah, definitely. I think, and I think the theme that we're seeing here is the community, right? How it's important that, that just as first generation, whether educators or first generation um, investors, that we have a community that we can go mm -hmm. to and just 
you know, kind of check in with another with each other. Um, that, that's very helpful. And yeah, I, I would have to say this is definitely no financial advice. <laughs> but the, the funny thing is a year ago this time, crypto was up. And if you couldn't mm -hmm. tell me nothing about like Shibu, right? I do you, I, I would I probably had Ash last year, I was like, if she hits a penny, I'm a millionaire. And everyone looked at me crazy and it's fine because it never hit a penny. So I'm not a millionaire, but it didn't matter yeah. because all it's, for me, it was a $20 investment. And I, for me, $20 is, I'm okay to part with, to be like, hey, if this hits, yeah. it hits. Um, and actually right now it's it's not hitting, right? Like the crypto yeah. is actually taking a, a big dive right now. But, um, yeah. but again, that's a whole nother like market. That's a whole nother platform or um, entity that's completely different than than the stock market. And we've even talked about like NFTs, right? Like, like mm -hmm. Amber, you're like, what is an NFT? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm trying to navigate it. We're trying to learn yeah. and just like share resources. Like, I don't know what it is, but here's someone I, I kind of trust and I, that I heard talking about it. Like, and just mm -hmm. sharing the resources, right? Is I think the biggest, um, kind of like the biggest deal. And I, I'll be honest, like there's even yeah. some courses, which I, I want to kind of switch into so, like briefly talking about day trading, we won't say the name, but um, <laughs> I took the course, which not in a bad way, but I took the course um, last January. That was my birthday gift to myself. And then I shared the recording with y'all because right, I think I sent it to you, right? Yeah, it you was, did. It was a pretty costly investment, but again, yeah. like I'm going to share the resources, like, you know, and mm -hmm. honestly, I didn't, that didn't take off for me because that requires much more focus like you right. cannot mess up with day trading and so I don't know like have, did you take it up or like what are you what are your I, I keep telling everybody like oh my gosh I'm gonna <laughs> you see me retire from higher ed in like eight years is because I you know I struck oil in day trading <laughs> <laughs> yeah no I think well I mean to continue on that so I think like I said I think you influencing me with the stock market came at a time where I was already thinking in my head, like, okay, I'm not going to get rich being an educator. <laughs> I mean, uh, but it's what I love. Like I love the field. That's why, you know, us professional or us practitioners choose this field. Um, but it was also a realization that because I chose this path doesn't mean I can't create a path like this for my kid um, or for future generations. Um, and so I remember at the time I was already doing a real estate class and I was doing a finance class. Um, and it happened to be at the time where like it fit in perfectly with the stock market class, um, you know, talking about like your taxes. I remember that being a big thing. Like I was already thinking too much into the future. Like what if I hit big and like how much is Uncle Sam going to keep? Like who should I hire? Right. And then we started talking about like, oh, who does your taxes, right? So that's like a whole nother thing. And then, yeah, we talked about like, hey, like what else is trending, NFTs? You know, what does that even mean? Like, how do we get in? Um, crypto, like crypto for me, like I still don't understand it, but I was sold on the idea of like, oh, well, you can get a credit card for it and then you earn rewards that way. And I was like, well, I consider myself to be very responsible with finances. Hey, why not? You know, let me try it. Um, and it's worked for me, right? Like I use my credit card, like any other credit card. And then it's like, you said it like out of sight, out of mind. Mm -hmm. And then I checked the account and it's like, what? I have $50 in crypto on Bitcoin. Oh, I didn't know that. Right. And so it's like, 
it's what works for you essentially right like you said like this isn't any kind of financial tips but like you find what works for you sharing with others and then with day trading um yeah i agree 100 percent that it's one of those things that it it requires a lot of time but it requires you being on top of it like like you mentioned the quarterly the calls um but the day trading too like knowing more of a deeper understanding of the stock market how does it move who's influencing it um like terminologies right like whales like all these different terms that are used um and that's kind of how we also lead into other areas of investment like earn your leisure earn your leisure for me has been a big one where i've i've i, I want to say that i've learned more day trading through them um they recently had a day trader um join and, and do a conversation and then you know i asked you like hey um i know you mentioned that you you read some books on day trading um and then you know this guy happens to have a book in day trading so it's like one of those things again like hey let's um, a book club i don't know let's start a book club on day trading and then share fears like hey i have a fear like if i put ten thousand, i won't get that ten thousand, right but i i think i what stuck to me is that um, I've heard this often, like with the day traders that I, that I follow on social media, is that day trading isn't for the week. Like you are going to have those losses sometimes. And again, it's like where we, you know, have those conversations with each other, like, hey, are we willing to do that? And do we have the means to do that? You know, are we okay with losing that much, but knowing that we could make double the next time? And it's a psyche, right? It's, it's, it's a mental game too. Mm. And I think that's the biggest advice that I've heard from multiple day traders is that if you're going to play the game that day, because that's, let's be real, that's like what it is. You have to mentally be in the game. And I think that's why I haven't pulled, you know, the trigger, so to speak yet, because um, yeah. I, I, I have a stressful day job. And, um, and honestly, like, I think just get, again, we're parents, our morning routine, getting, you know, your kid out the door on time into school and then to get back yeah. and to get on the, on the market is like, I'm already flustered <laughs> by that first right. hour. So I, it's honestly probably the reason why I haven't started day trading. It's because I know that you have to be in the right mental space or you have to like disconnect mm -hmm. um, for that. And I haven't been able to like mentally get there yet, but i follow it and I feel like it's a formula and like us we do qualitative research we do coding and for me making that connection between the qualitative research and the coding that we do to the formula that's in day trading I'm like oh got it like I I know I could do it if I just maybe had like the the time to like mentally sit and, and sit with it and do it um right so I want to be mindful of time and I want to get into the next part of the, like how we kind of like wrap up the segment or the, the episode where it's called this or that. So I'm going to say some like, would you like this or that? And you, you let me know and we, we talk about it or whatnot. So carne okay. asada burrito or carne asada fries? Uh, carne asada burrito. Okay. Banda or reggaeton? Uh, banda. Okay. Long-term stocks or day trading? Because uh, I know more about long term, I'm gonna go long term. <laughs> okay. Today, could you would you buy Apple stock or Tesla stock? Apple. 
Alphabet, which is Google, or Amazon? Google. Disney or Robux? Disney. Nice. I would say probably the same on those. <laughs> we're, we're aligned. <laughs> we're aligned today. Um, so yeah. thank you so much for your time. <clears throat> Any last words you would like to say for anybody who's listening, potentially um, somebody in higher ed or somebody who's interested in the stock market or any last parting words? Uh, I would just say like, again, find your community. Um, one other thing that I'm going to say is like, I remember you always telling me and Ash, like, I think at one point, like you were so determined to get at least one person to open an account that day. And I think you, you got someone to open the account. And so, yeah, I think if it's one of those things, right? Like if you believe in it, like we already believe in higher ed. So we always tell our friends, go for the masters, go for the PhD. Um, it's the same thing, really. It's the same concept is, um, you know, pushing them because you know that it works. And like you said, if you learn the strategies and, you know, you have the community, um, I think it just makes it that much easier. Definitely. Thank you so, so much for your time. I'm so glad we had this conversation. And I think it just made me realize like we are, we are like, we've been in some, some spaces for first, like we've been in a lot of spaces together. And I, I don't know that I re recall that, or I don't know, it just made me realize like we have um, a lot of history. So I'm really excited to see you continue on and to flourish um, in higher ed. And you always know that you have me as a resource and however I can be of help to you. Um, whether it's in the stock market or in academia and in your future PhD program. So know that you have me um, as that. And thank you so much. Thank you.